Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Well, it is Saturday, and that means... It's another Mandalorian review show for the Wretched Hive podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me this morning is Greg, Dave, and Scott. Good morning, fellas. Morning. morning. Hi, Steve. Happy to join oh. you on Mando Saturday. Mando Saturday here at the Wretched Hive, and it's also a Rancho Obi-Wan Gala Day today, so make sure you yes. got your tickets. Not too late. Rancho- you can still sign up. RanchoObiWan.org forward slash Gala 2020. Go get your tickets. Lots of fun things happening this afternoon, but first... The most important thing happening on the internet today with Star Wars is this here review show of The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 4. That means Chapter 12 of The Mandalorian. Title is The Siege. The Siege dropped Friday, November 20th. That's yesterday. Written by Jon Favreau, directed by Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers directed this episode, Grief Karga himself. So very exciting to see Carl get into the director's chair for the Mandalorian. Um, Dave, what'd you think about this episode? Um, in two words, Steve, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference that, to that, uh, said by a pre-show. A smart, smart man. Math, <laughs> math, math is hard, but in, it, in two words, I liked it. Uh, I, I, I didn't love it as much as, as Greg Lent did, and I'll be interested to hearing why he did. Uh, I think my reaction was that it, it's it's a, you know, we've talked about before, Mandalorian is a formulaic show, right? It's already a formulaic show. And I just felt like the formula was, was showing a little bit here. And while there were a ton of Easter eggs and little references that were exciting, I felt like it maybe leaned a little too heavy into that, and I feel like the risk on doing things like that with these kind of franchise shows is when you make it, if you lean too heavily into it, it becomes about the Easter eggs and that detracts from what the core product should be. Marvel's success, in my opinion, stems in part from the fact that they scatter these Easter eggs in throughout everything, but they never do it too heavily. The movie can still stand on its own. If you eliminate every single Easter egg, it's still a good show. They're really there as a bonus. Got it. This, this one felt like it was relying on it a little much, but I could be talked out of it because it's early. I don't disagree with any of that. Although I love all those Easter eggs and I really, I love the episode and um, I I can't wait to, can't wait to get into some of those finer details here. Uh, Scott has his cloaking device on, so I'm going to go to Greg. Greg, um, what'd you think of the episode? Yeah. Scott's forgotten that we're recording an episode this morning. That's deciding to do everything else, but sit down and fucking talk to us right now. It's not me. It's everybody else. I swear to God, everyone's like, who screw Scott and schedule. And they're like scheduling. We're, re, we're repainting and re-roofing our house right now. It's, it's not my fault. As we speak, as, as we speak, Scott is living in a convertible house somewhere in the city of Long Beach. It's, right. a, giant, <laughs> it's a giant transformer. It's a giant transformer. <laughs> Sorry, God, Nico. Greg, high level thoughts on this episode. Uh, in, in, again, in two words, I loved it. It was. <laughs> 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 um, 
And and the reason I loved it is because it had a lot of the fun that we always wanted from these Star Wars shows. It felt like an original trilogy uh, continuation story. And that's really what I loved about it. But not only that, I felt they did a really good job of world building. We've talked about making this world feel like a place where people actually live and not just ends up as part of a, a plot point. Um, and what I saw out of this is there's a reason why Cara Dune is still on, on, I forget the name of the fucking planet. Xandar, Zendar, Nevadar, Vukipigi, it's not Tatooine. It's the planet that's not Tatooine where Timothy, um, they gave a reason why they're there. A reason Navarro. why Mando, Navarro, a reason, a, a, the Dave Navarro. Thank you very much. A reason why uh, Mando had to go back there because his ship was failing after the shoddy repairs from uh, from from not Admiral Akbar and last week. Um, which the by re- the way, uh, which by the way, I will just interject. Chris Evans messaged me and said, "How long does it take to repair? You know, like completely <laughs> destroyed ship, like two hours? I mean, it takes my them to change the oil in my car. It takes like a day." They've got his dad is a telev- television repairman. He's got an, the ultimate set of tools. <laughs> <An> ultimate. <laughs> um, the the reason why the empire now or the remnants of the empire is now hunting for the child. You know, they set up everything that's going to happen for the rest of the season now and gave valid reasons why all this stuff is so important. I I just I loved it. I could I, I it was exactly what I wanted out of an episode and exactly what I wanted out of this show. Not exactly in line with everybody else. I love it. That's good. Disagreements are good. Scott, what did you think of this one, Scott? <laughs> I don't know. I'm about to have a full <laughs> breakdown here. Um, I kind of fall in between uh, where Greg and Dave stand on this one. I, I actually really enjoyed the hell out of the show, but there were just little elements that kept pulling me out of it. And mm-hmm. I do appreciate what Greg's saying about the fun element and bringing it back into that. The things that kept me – the problem is, is some of them – I. I there are certain characters and certain things I'm just – it feels like that same feeling I had about the prequels and even the sequels. They're, they're adding in elements that I don't think necessarily need to be there. Like a little editing, a little fine-tuning would be great. The rest of it was fantastic. I love the adventure. I love the storyline that they're going, um, where they're going, taking out the Imperial base. I get I get the whole – you know, episodic thing where there's going to always be a little side thing. Hey, you, you got to get your ship repaired. Hey, you got to, oh, while, while we're waiting, you got to do this side quest thing. It, it really feels like a video game. You're constantly on the next level. And before you move forward, you have to kill this beast over in a canyon or you have to take out an Imperial base. And it, and that's fine. It works, especially for uh, this storytelling. But the thing that moved me forward on this one uh, was really um, – the, the the plot points, we're, we're getting a bigger scope and a bigger world that's being built here. And that fascinates me when you start to actually get some of the kind of serious elements of the story and add the fun into it. That's great. Um, so right, I, well, let's, why don't we yeah. get into some of those plot points? Um, yeah. Let's just dive in. Um, Steve, you did not give your opinion of the episode. Yeah, yeah so that I, is true. I, I, that is true. So I'm I'm a little bit in line with Scott. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit uneven. I, I like the action scenes. I think uh, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but you know the chase scene at the end with the speeder bikes and the ties, spot on Star Wars perfection. And I really yeah. want to talk about the sound uh, elements of in that sequence and the action is just great. Um, 
I was giving it about a C minus before that segment of the of the episode. So like the last 16, 15 minutes I thought were great. First 20 minutes or so, mm-hmm, not as not so great. I don't know. I, I think I feel like it's a little bit uneven, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but, but I, but I do like, I do like, we're learning a, a little bit more about Cara Dune and some of these characters in there, a little bit more about their backstory and, and let's get into it guys. Um, I want to start with the opening seg. There's really two opening segments, you know, before the credits roll or before the title, the Mandalorian comes up, there's always that opening sequence. And, uh, this time we get two: one with baby Yoda and Mando and, uh, again, so so this is this is now the pattern. Uh, six wretched Hyvian, uh Chris Evans emails me or messages me his review, and the first thing he says is, uh, "Baby Groot is Baby Yoda." It's like the red and blue I, wires. Dave, you have a thought on that? I think that's I, a. I, I, I that's a. I get to something before that real quick. Who is the sixth member of the Wretched Hive? Is it Chris Evans or is it Mark Moreno? Yeah, we're going to have to have a Thunderdome between the two. Yeah, they're going to have gonna, to they're gonna have to fight it out. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. the death. Sure. <laughs> Wait, we have access saying, to teeny. We can't walk around calling both of them the sixth member of the hive because someday they're going to find out and it's going to end badly for all of us. Yeah, just don't. Well, neither one of them really listened. It's fine. Okay. Thunderdome. We have access to Tina Turner because that's all I want to know. <laughs> okay, you're going to need to right, isolate that target. for future for future use. <laughs> stay on target. So we've got Baby Yoda. So what do you? So that seems straight from Guardians too, right? That's there, that's there's a whole fair pull by Chris Evans. That's really yeah. strong. Let's add to Chris's thing. There is another Guardians reference with Baby Groot and Baby Yoda, and that is the vomiting scene. It's right out of. Oh yeah. He's yeah. fully doing the the exact. It's almost like they use the same animation for it. Although I will Did say Baby that Groot throw up. I don't yeah. know that. Yep. Maybe. That vomiting scene at the end. Yeah. Some of the best special effects we've seen on the show yet. I mean, it's so accurate having cleaned (laughs) up kid vomit as I'm driving in the back of the car several times on, you know, myself, I can, I can attest, uh, that was very accurate. Um, the other, the other thing we get in the beginning is, is, um, uh, Gina Carano's character, Cara Dune, um, raiding what looked like, um, the former Mandalorian forgery, right? You see the Mandalorian, um, uh, or what? Where it used to be hanging on the wall up above, yeah. uh, and she makes after she after she breaks in and and uh, you know kills all of the uh, what were those creatures in there, Scott? What what's the uh, were those snaggletooths? What's the race? Uh, I thought oh, they were the pond, the Pondababa race guy. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's yeah. called Pondababa. They're called Aqualish, um, and okay. they are the uh, that's a Jethro Tull song. That is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my friend. Um, yeah, they are uh, the the Pondababa creatures. Uh, what what us old guys know as uh, Walrus Man. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, thank you. So, um, at, at the then she's talking to that little you know little creature on the table, and she says, "I have to give these back to the rightful owners." Um, but we never we never actually see her do that, right? So, was the purpose of that just to give us? reference to her that you know she kicks ass and she's tough but she's a good guy like why what was the purpose of that sequence for for gina carano's character she hasn't this is the first time we're seeing her in season two so is that for new viewers to yeah, sort probably. of and also to kind of establish her credit as a disney princess because you know 
<laughs> she's talking right. to animals, so I don't really know why they need to go much beyond that at that point. Dave, Dave that's a great point. Uh, the animals she's talking to, I'm so bummed. If you stay till the end credits where, where you get to see that awesome uh, artwork in the overlay or uh, as the credits are rolling, that creature in one of the scenes is actually breathing fire. Why didn't oh. we see that happen? <laughs> that would have been great. You know, I was concerned during that scene that they were going to make her make that little creature her pet or something or her buddy and have it come along with her. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. I was grateful that that <laughs> yeah. didn't happen. It's it's going to be like the raccoon in Pocahontas. That's what's coming next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to think more like Mushu in that Mulan, the cartoon, not the movie. It's going to be voiced yeah. by Eddie Murphy. I'm just going to crack wise the whole time. That'd be pretty strong. <laughs> All right. So Mando Mando decides he's got to go back to Navarro and he he meets up with Cara Dune and um, Grief Karga. Uh, and they go inside the little uh, the little living area hut and it's a school. They've they've created a school inside there. And who's at the front of the school teaching? My God, I thought it was I thought we were seeing 3PO. <laughs> no, see, but Tra- it, it was a translator droid. It looked exactly like three PO from it's a distance. The only, it's the only time it's not it's not problematic to say this, but all protocol droids do look alike. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And now th- we introduce our new segment. Is that racist? <laughs> <laughs> then you've got Baby Yoda, who sits. Of course, the kid next to him is eating something. Our, the little eating machine, Baby Yoda. He's got to steal the cookies. I thought it was cute. Okay. Steals the it was, but I got to, I got to hang on. I got to jump in here. I'm sorry. Jump Baby in. Yoda eating things yeah. is just, it's, it's turning into the boobs, the <laughs> boobs and showgirls. <laughs> You're over it's it at just, this point. <laughs> it's overused. It's becoming boring. Like, yes, we know the kid eats. Can we find something else for him to do? Can we find another character arc for him, please? Yeah. He's just a little eating machine. It's all he wants it to just, do. They're just they're, they're making it boring, and you don't want to do that. You've obviously never had children, Dave. Mm. That's a true statement. None that have been proven, none that have been proven in court. None that have I, been proven in court. My teenager, really quick, really quick side thing. Maybe I'll I'll remove this later. But he had a huge breakfast burrito the other morning. I mean, this thing was massive. He finishes it, and then he comes out of the kitchen with a huge bowl of ice cream. It's like nine thirty in the morning. I'm going, what are you doing, dude? You got to wash down that burrito with something. Man, Chaser with a huge bowl of mint ice cream. I think I gained a pound just listening to that story. <laughs> Seriously. All right. So so Mando then meets up with uh, Grief Karga and Cara Dune and Mithral. Mithral. Or is it Mithral? How do we say his name? Mithral? All right. Which is uh, who's played by SNL vet Horatio Sands, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, who we last saw in Carbonite, who's a bounty for for Mando. And now we find out why. Uh, he's been apparently doing some creative accounting, tried to steal some money from Grief Karga, and got 300 years of debt to Grief Karga. Seems a little excessive. <laughs> so, well, I did love the episode there. These are the kind of things that kind of bug me. So he was collecting the bounty, but he's also owed the bounty. Didn't that seem didn't that seem kind of weird to anybody else? Yeah. Well, wait, what? Well, well, so so Mando collected the bounty, and then. Mithral has to pay up, like he has to do a penance for whatever he did to to grief cargo, which was yeah. steal the money, right? So he's got to he's got to serve a, a term of of uh, servitude, right? So, so all grief, all of yeah. the bounties that grief cargo has doled out are are people that personally owe him. Oh. Well, we we don't know that. Just the one, 
the but one yeah, for sure. I'm with you, Greg. It was like, okay, wait. You first of all, he's the leader of the the guild, right? Yeah. Karga. So mm-hmm. he puts out a bounty for a guy that stole from him, and he couldn't do it himself. I mean, or at least figure that out. I'm, I don't know. I saw this weird loop going too. I'm like, yeah. And mm-hmm. and the only reason they did that is to bring that character back. And I'm like, I wasn't really happy with his character in the first place. It was funny for a moment, <laughs> but now I have to put up with this blue fish face motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I was thinking, like, he gets 300 years of servitude for, for like, white-collar crime. I mean, what is Trump going to get? I mean, well, <laughs> well, and in some fairness, my guess is that 300 years, not only is there the penalty for the crime that he did, but they had to go to all this expense, bounty and everything, to bring oh, him yeah. back. So that probably gets tacked on there somehow, too. Right. I swear to God, Dave, if you start bringing in the Trade Federation and, uh, you know— <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like now i'm like i don't need all that also let's talk about this guy for one second steve you want to move on to that story plot point with him but man they really just keep messing with him they're kind of dicks to him mm. in the long run because they keep barking first of all they bring him into an active like hot zone where they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna go kick ass on an imperial um uh, uh base but i'm like Every time they want to do something, they know what's going to happen. They're going to bring them in. They're like, okay, you know, we'll take 30 years off of this if you come in and help us hotwire this door. Oh, you know, we'll take another 30 years off if you just come in and help us shoot up a bunch of stormtroopers. I don't really want to do that. Okay, stay out here. And when the lava tides come in, you're going to fucking die. (laughs) Like, they knew that. They're not telling the fish guy this? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, what will be great is if they start adding things on it too. Like, oh, your ledger would take 30 years off for this. Oh, but I got to add five years because you're like, think the hubcaps on the thing. And, you know, the lease wasn't paid off on that land speeder. So now we got to put another 15 years back on this. You illegally so really, parked it and we crushed it. So, yeah. you know what? There's another 15. So, yes, yeah. you went on this escapade to get time off for good behavior. But really, we've now added five years total onto your sentence. So. Right, we so, really so, do have to de- dedicate a whole episode to the, uh, the 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 codification of laws in the Star Wars universe. The fact that you can get multiple hundreds of years for an accounting accounting errors, <laughs> and, and you could be thrown in jail for parking violations. Something seriously fucked up there, guys. Yeah. There, there, the Star the, the legal world of Star Wars is second only to the physics laws of Star Wars. <laughs> okay, okay, and and also we Mithril. This guy gets a name, but Frog Lady doesn't get a name. What's up? <laughs> with that okay I'm yeah him- greg is that racist or is boy? that not racist <laughs> stay on target so we we so we almost immediately f- hear from grief Karga. navarro is safe except for this imperial base on the other side of the planet uh we've got to go and blow it up what is the scale here i mean on that on the on the sort of hologram planet it looked like it was on the other side and they hop in a speeder and they're there oh. you know before sunset so the whole there's I know we're supposed to like suspend belief in this show, but you know, the timelines and how long things take, uh, it seems just out of proportion. I don't know. Clearly using the same transportation uh, devices that the cast of Game of Thrones used in the last two seasons. <laughs> That's a great point. Wait, wait, wait! I was going to argue with you guys, but I have to say I have to point out. Let's be fair to these guys. He, they were driving in a modified. It looks like an X whatever thirty four speeder. It did have four engines instead of three, so maybe. Maybe that was a yeah, hyperdrive front engine. Front end did look a lot like Luke's speeder on Tatooine. That's yeah. that's. And uh, and this is a this has really been a problem in all. I mean, like the Force Awakens pretty much does take place in real time, guys. So it's 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 two of everybody for the Force Awakens, <laughs> and, and that's that's for everything. 
<laughs> so, so I got to ask, uh, Steve, uh, did yeah. you did you watch the episode with the subtitles on? I did. So you saw that your favorite teacher was in the front talking about Kessel. Yes. It was a little solo reference, and I've been reading some stuff online that that little aside that was in there uh, actually fills in a plot hole that's been created between uh, the existence of Solo, a Star Wars stories, and the presence of Kessel in Clone Wars and Rebels. Because the maelstrom that was around Kessel in Solo was not around the planet in Rebels and Clone Wars. Mm. And if you listen to that, it talks about how Kessel actually orbits one of its moons instead of the moon orbits it. And in Star Wars physics, that means that it could be in a different space depending on who's orbiting what at a given time. So in Clone Wars and Rebels, Kessel is out of the Maelstorm because it's orbiting the moon. But in Solo, A Star Wars Story, it's inside the Maelstorm because yeah. something else. Well done. That's deep into the weeds there, Star man. Star Wars Story Group. Well let's, done. Well done. Let's give all credit where credit is due. That has to be fucking Filoni right there because <laughs> you know he broke that shit down and said, I'm fixing this. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah sure. I That's the agree. story group in Filoni, like, going, hmm, we need to fix this. What can we do? Yeah. Let's call in C-3PO. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at the base. So let's get to the let's get to the action part of the of the uh, of this episode, guys. I love the shot when they're on the ground of Mando flying up to the Imperial landing pad. Yes. For looking up. That is a great bit of photography there of him flying up and landing on the. On the landing pad, oh, so good. That was yeah. that was shot. Uh, and then and, in, and, ta- and talk, yeah, I was gonna say talk about you know overusing gags. How many stormtroopers yeah. have been dropped from the sky this season? Apparently, that's the go-to move for all so, Mandalorians. I I agree, Greg. But you know what's funny? This was one of my favorite ones because it is that thud that's right <laughs> behind them that you you don't see him at first. You just hear the thud, and then it pulls back, and there's a trooper just laying there. I'm like, okay. I like that. That's good well, news. Pretty my, my only actually show them hitting the ground. <laughs> my only thought when the stormtrooper smacked into the ground was I was like, my God, a stormtrooper finally hit something. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really need to improve the stormtrooper training program because later <laughs> as they're as they're blasting their way out, they, they go through stormtrooper like a battalion of stormtroopers like they're nothing. Every episode, a battalion of stormtroopers just gets to, just totally thrashed by civilians. Well, yeah, but Steve, you got to see now. You know why we have the new-looking stormtroopers in the sequels, right? Because they're just wasting away the old-looking stormtroopers. Yes, I guess so. Uh, so the plan is to overload the heat shaft in the base and destroy it. <laughs> heat shaft. That's, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they easily get into the base. They need to improve the security. They need to like. Buy a ring doorbell or like a nest or something. (laughs) (laughs) They just basically walk onto this base. Much action ensues. Um, They eventually stumble on some scientists who are looking to, it looks like they're destroying evidence. So like destroy, you know, they're shooting the, whatever they're working on, on the um, display panel. Sort of, it, it reminded me of like Nazi war criminals, like as, as the siege is coming, getting closer to them. Um, they're destroying the evidence of whatever they're working on. Oh, everybody, everybody does that. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember when Bush was president? W, shrub, whatever you want to call him. In the first year of his presidency, there was an American spy plane that got like nicked by a Chinese spy plane and had to do shrub. an emergency landing. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I re- remember reading about this at the time. When you know you're going to go down on in an unsecure area in enemy space, they all literally have like these things of acid in special vials that they're supposed to dump over all, all of their equipment so that not only does the information not fall into enemy hands, but the technology that's used to capture the information gets destroyed too. Hmm. So I saw that and I was like, yeah, good on them. That's They're, yeah. doing, they're doing their job. Those are imp- hardworking Imperials. Who know they're about to die, but they're still doing their job. Honestly, oh, well, kudos, well, kudos to them. Straight kudos out of them, them, but, but straight out Dave, of Dave, Dave, Dave. I don't think they're Imperials. I think they're hired in because they're wearing the same outfit that the Doctor from season one is wearing. Oh, and that's that, a good. They, yeah, they have the Camino. The Camino patch is right there. It's the same exact patch. So, uh, gets, oh, we get some more really? clone action. I've got to go back and and look more closely at that. I did not see that. Although the, clearly they're not wearing like imperial uh, military gear, so you're talking about Doctor Pershing. That's it, yeah. The, the doctor, yeah, and we actually see him um, in, in a hologram, and he gives yeah. us clue. That hologram message gives us some clues. Before we see the hologram, um, our heroes find some some sort of grotesquely grown, like half grown, half human figures. That look like they're they're being grown in like a back to tank sort of environment, right? And um, if you if you they're hard to see, but if you pause and look at those, those are some great models in there. They're like sort of half human and half I don't know. Do do any of them look like Snoke? Pretty gnarly looking. Yes, absolutely. That was that was my first question. Mm-hmm. So I cheated, guys. I watched the episode now twice, but I did do one little research look up prep. That's no, no, no. The watching was not the cheating part. I actually looked something up. Okay. On the panel that they're destroying, there is one word in Orabesh at the top, Ooh. and it actually says Snoke at the top. Whoa. Yeah. Hot so take. No Hot credit just, for me. I, I was just screwing yeah. around there. Are you, are you not screwing it, around, Scott? I'm not screwing That's around. That's real? That wow. is for real. Um, so that is the big giveaway. If you knew to look that up, I didn't, I just saw somebody review that. Now, Dave, you brought that up. One of them does look like Snoke. There's a bunch of them, right? Like five or six as it's panning by the most prominent one has that deformed head with almost like a split down the middle. So yeah, that was the big giveaway for me, but there's other stuff I want to talk about, like hidden features and clues. And we have to back all the way up to the school thing when we get through the quick little description, so, Steve, I'll wait till you roll through because there's some okay. other stuff. All right. So so we hear <clears throat> Dr. Pershing in the hologram. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase here. Um, I was writing quickly. He says something like, he says, the body rejected the blood. The blood. I doubt we'll find a donor with a higher M count, though. Obviously, so midichlorians. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I have to say on that. I read a review of this episode that was ticking through things, and they were like, M count refers to midichlorians introduced to near universal disappointment in The Phantom Menace. (laughs) So what's funny about – so I had the same – I figured I was like, oh, fans are going to – I can't wait to hear the fan reaction for this. Chris Evans messaged me, and he says, why midichlorians? Why do we have to go back there? My reaction was I kind of liked it. I liked the connection with the midichlorians because I – it's canon. It yeah, is it's, what it's, it is. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's part there. of the story now. Let's run with it, guys. Let's yes, not try right. and retcon it. Let's not try and get rid of it. It's part of the story now. Let's yep. just move forward. 
I yeah. agree with you guys. And what's even more great is they use the idea of changing the word to <clears throat> a more scientific thing, an M count. Yeah, it's a and science. I think, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes. It actually flows a little bit better. I like the idea that these are scientists working on it. And they're not going to be talking about religious um, background, like midi chlorians. They're going to call them M counts. And they're no, going to talk it, about levels. And, and, it, and it, it's kind of, you know, it kind of re- leads into a, a man versus a machine. You know, the, the Jedi are pure. They're, you know, they're they're not, they're, they're just, they're destined to be what they are, right? And yet the Empire is trying to manufacture and create these beings by, you know, trying to... Uh, transfuse blood and, tr- and right. develop something and, and create something out of nothing. So yeah. it, it, it fits says, into the conflict. Mm-hmm. So I like it. So he also says, I was able to harvest a small amount without killing him. So I think we're finding out that, that uh, Dr. Pershing was able to take some blood from the child and he's using that as the, you know, trying to inject the blood into whatever creature or person to create sort of like force sensitive warriors or, you know, I I think uh, the take I got out of this and and we even kind of brought this up in the early reviews um, and talking about the first season uh, was baby Yoda. The idea is out there is baby Yoda, a real baby or a clone. And I think this kind of shows that it's, it's a real life organism and not something grown or created and that they're using that pure blood to mm. try and create these clones that there's a bigger theory here, but especially showing the, uh, the clone back to tanks or whatever they are pods. Um, I think this is all the big tie in to the sequel stuff to kind of see where the, where that's going in the future, but not Mando's like regular side story or quest. Um, we're seeing a lot of throwbacks to all the, the early trilogy, <clears throat> excuse me, and prequel stuff. But this is a great connection for what's going to happen in 15, 20 years down the road. And this is the beginning of all of that. Because I think at the point we're at in this in this timeline, Kylo Ren is just about being born or is born at this point. Luke is off on a quest. <clears throat> all the stuff that we saw in the sequels where Luke is training Leia and stuff was five to ten years after Return of the Jedi. So all that's kind of happening, and he's seeking out places to train, and eventually Ben's going to be one of those people. That's really kind of happening at the exact same moment or within a year or two of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a neat way to connect it without overdoing it, but it also gives some plot points and maybe help fixes some of the crazy stuff happening mm-hmm. that we didn't like in the sequels. So maybe this might clear up some stuff. Yeah, and I want to. We're gonna we're gonna jump ahead at the end, and I'm curious to to know what to see to hear what you guys think about what um what we see on that final final shot of the show with the the sort of like um, death troopers or almost looks like a Vader death trooper are, hybrid. Those are dark troopers, aren't they? Those Scott? are dark troopers. Those are dark troopers. I it's don't the, know about that. We need to uh, we need to zoom in and get some screen caps for for I'll, that. I'll give you an actual factual uh, piece of evidence in this. It is oh. a dark trooper. It's a uh, phase two dark trooper. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's. There's a little bit more to get to um, here in the in the plot of um, episode four here. So Mando jets back home to get the child while grief Kara. And uh, the Fishman procure an Imperial transport. Car takes the helm and gets them out over the cliff. That was a great shot of them going over the cliff. The blaze, the base blows up, and then you have the speeder bike chase and the Tie Fighter chase, which um, I just thought was impeccably 
shot and um, sequenced out. The sound in in this whole sequence, it's about an eight eight or ten minute sequence is great. The speeder bikes, the laser targeting, the sound inside the tie, the imperial alarm, which is part of our spoiler alert um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) sound clip. All just spot on. You know what I love about the show is when you're inside of a tie cockpit or an X-wing cockpit, you you feel it because of the sound design, mm-hmm. and it's it's so important to Star Wars, and they they nail that on the show. Um, it seems like uh, we have now verified all Tie Fighters fold their wings that way to land, which I, I you know when when um, what's his name. Um, uh, Moff Gideon's TIE fighter does it in, in season one. That was the first time we'd ever seen a TIE fighter land like that. Right. Yeah. I don't know if we can say all, because, you know, we've seen parked TIE fighters in, in all of the trilogies and, and oh, that's true. This is the only time we've ever seen uh, one with fold. So maybe these are just Moff Gideon's special, you know, special uh, maybe- brand. Maybe these are the Hyundai of TIE fighters. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's, a spe- I think it's a specific, type of tie fighter okay yeah. they actually have a name i think they're called outlander tie fighters oh because while they're flying i mean the with the with the foils extended they look just they look like original trilogy ties i i don't see much difference um it's the cadillac but, of tie fighters steve God, it's the <laughs> thank S- you scott model. i know you got that thank they you they got the sc model um right when you think our heroes are doomed of course the razor crest returns completely repaired two hours later they did a full bot all the body work all the engines are repaired and we have blasters on the razor crest have we seen blasters yeah i think so we did in season one okay i don't i couldn't recall yeah he has a dog fight in one of the first episodes in season one that's right he does okay okay all right yeah that's right shoot okay um yeah so that whole sequence i i thought was just great um there's one one in particular with a sort of a slow turn and almost stall by the razor crest and then the engines fire again and it uh, he jets down towards the planet really good stuff um, the baby Yoda vomit we've got this moment with uh, the x-wing pilot back who's Paul Sion Lee the actor uh, talking to grief carga grief car calls him officer space cop yeah, so he's like, so is that what the X-wing pilots have become? Are they, are they like, like, I mean, they're going on patrol, but are they literally like the cops of the universe now? I, I think uh, we get unclear. that unclear. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with Greg, but I also think we kind of assume that because of the episode where he gets trapped on that ice planet, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of patrolling the outer rim because we know from this episode now, the outer rim doesn't believe or vice versa the core both the core world uh core planets and the outer rim planets have a difference of opinion on things yeah and i think what the x-wings are doing is they've become like those patrol officers not all of them but i think there's a a squadron or something that's out there kind of doing basically police work like space cops so yeah the uh, pilot tries to recruit um cara dune back into the rebellion and and uh, she resists, but uh, I thought it was a really touching move it, uh, moment when he asks her about Alderaan, and she says, "I lost everyone." And, and he by beats. the way, I was like, "What a dumb freaking question to ask a survivor of Alderaan!" Like, "Oh, yeah. did you lose somebody?" Like, right. seriously? Yeah. That's I just like uh, that. That took me out of it for a second. I was like, "That's insensitive." 
that's just not cool. If you're trying to get a date with the girl, that's not how you get a date with the girl. <laughs> and he leaves her a badge. He leaves her a little rebellion badge. And I it, it I didn't realize it until she he left the badge. But that's that's the I, pager that calls Captain Marvel. That's what that is. <laughs> I think they refer to her as the Marshal. In the, the episode, yeah, show, right. So she is sort of like the 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 Marshal, the law and order protector of um, Navarro. Or of that city where they're living in. Yeah, but we what we know about her character assume? is. Oh, uh, what what I, I was just gonna say about her character, she's uh, an ex-rebel shock trooper, I believe. So I think leaving the Rebel Alliance emblem, I can't call it the Rebellion right now because they're the New Republic. So he's just giving her kind of like a little emblem, like a like a police shield, saying remember who you really are or who you were, and. That's her choice. Maybe somewhere down the road she might rejoin or might bring them into something bigger that we're not aware of yet. Like We might see a bigger conflict with everything that's coming around with obviously seeing Moff Gideon um, and his forces and the new development with his giant ship, which is amazing. Um, you know, there might be a bigger thing happening here. And she this is the kind of the, the spark that lights the fire that gets her back to the rebellion or at least or I'm sorry, the New Republic to help bring all these kind of factions together. Everyone's in that little fragmented area right now. It's, it's mm-hmm. the wild West of the, of uh, star Wars. So, yeah. And, and Carl Weathers, you know, grief Karga is obviously very mistrusting and speaks out against the new Republic on several occasions throughout the episode, just says right. they should stay out of here. They don't understand us. They should stay away. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Kara is going to be the one to bridge that gap, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that element that they're not just, you know, these episodic little fun episodes, which are great. But now we're starting to see a bigger world created here. And I love that it's showing the division between these segments of the galaxy, um, which kind of brings more depth and character to all these people. All right. The final shot, guys, we have the overhead of the Imperial ship flyover. Iconic Star Wars uh, look for the Imperial ship. Um we learn that there's been a tracking device planted, which was a little little hinted at in the beginning, very beginning opening sequence of the show. Yeah, that when, guy uh, staring at the camera yeah. ominously. <laughs> yeah. Brief cargo, do the repairs, and he kind of looks back, yes, ominously. Um, yeah, I turned to Lisa and I said, oh, something going on there? Yeah, we all we all did hit the house here, too. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Imperial officer uh, says, you'll be reward, rewarded in the new era. So they're they're already looking forward to, you know, the next stage for the for the um, for the empire. Um, what is it that Moff Gideon is overseeing? I need to look close more closely. The, you're seeing those are death troopers, dark troopers, dark troopers, dark, dark troopers, Scott. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was. Is thinking, it racist? <laughs> <laughs> Why do they have to be black? Do you, do you think? <laughs> Do you think that there's anything going on there with the force sensitivity uh, experiments that that um, the scientists are trying to uh, are trying to create force sensitive, um, you know, uh, warriors for for the empire? Is there anything going on there with this with these uh, dark troopers? Um, right when I'm about to speak, my my Cujo dog just went nuts. Um, Yes and no. Uh, I still think that the, the Baby Yoda um, is, 
Do you guys hear background noise? Yeah, that's because we're nearing it's the out, episode. Outro Scott. music. So you got three minutes to wrap it up, Scott. Yeah, you got to hit the pole, Scott. <laughs> we can't no wrap it up. There's so much to talk about. Uh, oh, <laughs> damn it. You guys Scott, do this to me all the time. This episode is longer than the episode of the show, Scott. All right, I'm done. <laughs> There's nothing hidden there. Um, yeah, this Wanna is... Want to get your serious. final point in, Scott, or are you done? I can't. There's too much. It was a great show. In, in fairness to Scott, I will say I go back to my, my original point, which is there are so many little Easter eggs and callbacks in this. We really could do an hour and a half episode diving into and explaining all of them when the episode was like 45 minutes long, just in some defense of Scott. Yeah. Well, I'm also going to throw, throw out Christine's three-word review of this episode. Are you ready? Yep, let's hear it. Where's Timothy Oliphant? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to have to devote some, uh, some time for Oliphant and some more time on the Wretched Hive proper coming yeah. to your ear holes next Friday because there's just too much. We're going to have to devote maybe 20 minutes or so to some of these Easter eggs. Get Nico's uh, thoughts on it all. Yeah. Okay. Just look at the patch on the uh, the officers in the final scene. Look at the patch and that'll tell you that they're dark troopers. Guys, have a great week. We'll see you next Saturday for episode five. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> Hey, does does anyone hear music does in the back? Music? <laughs> <laughs> so good. That was so good.